Is it the end of the world as we know it? Rumors spreading about the end of the world tomorrow. Are you ready? <laughs> well, we'll find out. Talk here in just a moment more about these rumors about uh, prophecy being fulfilled, the stars being aligned, and what this means. Thanks to our friends at Concordia University, Wisconsin, their great support of faith and family on Worldwide KFUO. Find out more about them in the sponsor section. Look for Concordia University, Wisconsin, CUW in the sponsor section of KFUO.org. In studio with me today, the Reverend Warren Worth, pastor of Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Arnold, Missouri, and our great friend on all things creation here on Faith and Family. Pastor Worth, welcome. Glad to be with you again. Good to have you in studio as we prepare for the end of the world. Indeed. Every day, right? Every day. Every day. You're right. Be ready every day. Uh, there are rumors all over the interwebs about uh, this prophecy being fulfilled and uh, and tomorrow, I believe it is, uh, is, is the end of the world. September 23rd, 2017. Well, the end of the world, or for some, it's the rapture, which mm. is sort of the precursor to the end of the world, according to uh, premillennial dispensationalism. So for those people, uh, September 23rd would be that all the Christians are going to be zapped out of the world in the rapture, and then seven years of great tribulation, and then Christ will return, and they'll have the millennium, and the end of the world comes, I mean, the great judgment before the great white throne happens after that. So they have a kind of a different way of, of looking at end times. Um you studied your millennial millennialism very well. Uh, well, you know, we have good resources. Thank God for our, the leaders of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. We have the CTCR, the Commission mm-hmm. on Theology and Church Relations, our two seminaries and so forth that produce very good materials that are very helpful to our people. So if people have questions about this, maybe we can just give a couple of references. First of all, uh, since I mentioned the CTCR and the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, at the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod website, you can find all kinds of Bible studies and theological documents. And one of them is called A Bible Study Companion to the a Lutheran Response to the Left Behind series. So some people may have read those books or watched the movie uh, that was based on the books. Um, and that really is... This, this Bible study helps to answer questions that may have come up in your thinking. Mm-hmm. If you read those books, watch that movie. Or you, if you have lots of friends who are of a Baptist or Anabaptist or Pentecostal or fundamentalist persuasion, they often adopt that pre-millennial dispensationalist view of the end times. And this helps you kind of sort that out. What does the Bible really say? And letting Scripture interpret Scripture, how do we come to a right understanding of the end times and what the Bible really says about that? And then, of course, today we've got people who are not only that, but people all over the map who are kooks and everything, people who believe in, in some big planet that's good, that's not even out there to come and crash into the earth and some other things like this. So there's a lot of wild ideas out there. But again, some references that I can make for our listeners. If you go to answersingenesis.org, there are some articles there by Danny Faulkner. Uh, Dr. Danny Faulkner is an astronomer. He's a Bible-believing Christian. He had taught for many years at the University of South Carolina, and uh, now he is with Answers in Genesis and the Creation Museum, and he's got a couple of articles. One is, What Will Happen on September 23rd, 2017? 
And the other are the stars lining up on September 23rd for the Lord's return. And I recommend our listeners look those articles up and read them because he goes into a lot of detail and he knows a lot, you know, being an astronomer, he can answer a lot of the questions that are based on incorrect views of astronomy. So the people were making these predictions about the rapture or the end of the world coming on September 23rd misunderstand the Bible. They misunderstand astronomy. There's a whole lot of things that they misunderstand, but it gets people all stirred up and people love to stir the pot. Let's start with, let's start with the, 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 the foundation or the root of this, uh, this prophecy or this, this uh, misunderstanding that has led to these quote unquote rumors of the end of the world. What is the source of uh, these, these rumors or this mon- misunderstanding? Well, the source of the misunderstanding is on the part of people. The <laughs> word of God that they reference uh-huh. is Revelation chapter 12. In Revelation chapter 12, we read, and a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven, behold a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with an iron, with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne, and the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. And the prophecy goes on from there. Now, that is true Bible Prophecy. So uh, let's begin by saying we believe the Bible. Mm-hmm. We believe what the Bible says uh, in regard to things, uh, signs before the, our Lord's coming. We believe that Jesus is coming. He who is the Son of God who came once uh, to atone for our sins by his death and resurrection and who uh, has ascended into heaven will come again as he promises on the last day to judge the living and the dead. We look forward to that. Come, Lord Jesus. But, Maranatha. Yes, absolutely. So how this this revelation text in in light of scripture, how we look at scripture and then within scripture the different books within the the Bible, how we look at at each of them. So overall, how do we look at at scripture overall that would perhaps cre- help us understand the difference between how we truthfully approach scripture and these other rumors that are floating around. Okay, well, what happens with these other rumors that are following, uh, following around or flying around out there? People often are not fi- following sound biblical interpretation. In fact, they let all kinds of wild ideas enter their heads and then use the scriptures. Uh, to, they can twist them this way and that to suit their fancy, and they they pick out the parts that they want to emphasize, and they ignore the rest. Even in this passage we just read, there's more focus on the woman and the twelve stars around her head and the sun and the moon than the the dragon with the heads and the horns and all this kind of stuff. That part doesn't really get interpreted so fancifully as as the other part does, but. You know, a lot of it comes down to just not letting the Bible interpret itself. You know, the sound way to approach the Bible is let the Bible interpret itself. The difficult parts of the Bible should be interpreted in the light of those passages in the Scripture that are clear and easier to understand. That's the sound way to approach the Bible. Let the Bible interpret itself. And the key to the Bible, of course, is Jesus Christ. You know, 
he who is the Son of God who died for us and rose again, that we might have eternal life. Jesus is the key. And then having a right law gospel understanding of this. Thank you, Tom Baker. <laughs> have the right understanding of law and gospel and, and how these things uh, are to be understood. So and then when you get to like the Revelation, Revelation of St. Yeah. John. Okay. Revelation of St. John from the get-go uh, claims to be something that's revealed by signs and symbols. John says that in the very first chapter... So that we should understand from the get-go that this isn't literal, you know, that we should look for these things to be signs and symbols. And so the numbers have symbolical uh, significance and so forth. And so, you know, have Christ is pictured as a lamb that has been slain. And, and, and yet you, in one picture you have Christ, the, the terrific Christ, with eyes like fire and a, a sharp two-edged sword coming out of his mouth. You know, these are not literal things. Those are images that have a significance that the careful reader will understand, but we shouldn't try to take a literalistic and a wooden-headed literalistic approach to the scriptures and try to do that with them. Well, here we have this prophecy of a great sign in heaven. And so this year, well, as in their previous years, there have been other times when people have predicted the end of the world and been wrong many, many times, right? So we should learn from history. But people who are very short-sighted in these things or have a short memory, uh, kind of forget that. And they certain, suddenly take this and they come up with all kinds of factoids to try and prove, oh, this is a unique event. This has never happened before in all world history. These events are coming together. Well, this is where Dr. Danny Faulkner at Answers in Genesis comes to our aid in helping to show that the astronomical events that they're talking about are not unique and don't really pan out. And, you know, from a scriptural point of view, we can say they don't fit what the prophecy is about. But from an astronomical scientific standpoint, Danny Faulkner can point out they're wrong there, too. So let me just read part of what he says. I know we don't have a lot of time today, but in, in the article, What Will Happen on September 23rd, 2017, Dr. Danny Faulkner begins by saying, Recently at Answers in Genesis, we have begun to get inquiries about a supposed event of great prophetic significance on September 23rd of this year. Many videos on the Internet are promoting this. On this date, the sun will be in the constellation Virgo, the Virgin, along with the moon near Virgo's feet. Additionally, Jupiter will be in Virgo, while the planets Venus... Mars and Mercury will be above and to the right of Virgo in the constellation Leo. Some people claim that this is a very rare event, allegedly only once in 7,000 years, and that it supposedly is a fulfillment of a sign in Revelation chapter 12, which we read just a moment ago. So we have here a woman, Virgo, in the sky, heaven, along with the sun and the moon at her feet. What about the 12 stars? Virtually all the websites promoting the prophetic signs state there are nine stars in Leo, but with the addition of the three planets, which appear as bright stars, there are 12 stars. Since Leo is to the upper right of Virgo's head, one might see this as a crown of 12 stars, though these 12 stars will be far above Virgo's head. In another article, he would say she would have to have the mother of all beehive hairdos <laughs> for this to be a crown. But in other words, it's not really that close. Uh, many of the videos that discuss this have various embellishments, such as tying this event to the supposed rogue planet Nibiru, and we talked about that in a previous program and debunked that, or the tetrad of total lunar eclipses in 2014-2015. And again, Dr. Faulkner has previously written about these things and straightened people out on those matters. So then he goes uh, in his article and examines the claims, including the fact that this really isn't that rare, since um, the way the sun 
and the Earth uh, operate. So from the standpoint of somebody standing on planet Earth, the sun goes through the 12 constellations of, of, of the zodiac once a year. And so every year in the fall, September-ish, October-ish, um, the sun is going to be in Virgo. So that's not really that rare or a big it's not deal. unusual. And likewise, for the moon to be there at, at the, supposedly at the feet of the shape of the woman in the constellation, that's not that rare either. He explains how frequently this happens too. So a couple of, couple of days every year, this is going to happen. So it's not rare at all. And as to where the those other planets are, you know, Mercury and Jupiter and Venus and so forth, he explains that that's not as rare as has been uh, alleged either. In fact, uh, somebody else whom he quotes in this has done the research to show that it's happened at least four times in the last 1,000 years. So all the astronomical events that they talk about are not really that rare. And so if this was supposed to really signify something, wouldn't it have signified it before, too, and the world didn't end then? So why do we believe it's going to end now? And so he really approaches it from that standpoint. Um, you and I can maybe also add to the scripture, scriptural standpoint, because you, some of these people are saying that the child to be born of the woman is the church, and the fact that the church... The, child is taken up to heaven is the rapture. It's like, well, that doesn't really fit what the Bible says either. You know, really, the in Revelation, the child that's born of the woman would be Christ. You know, he's the one who shepherds his people, shepherds the nations with a rod of iron and so forth. You can certainly see that in other biblical references from Psalm 2 to other references, for example, in, in the Revelation of St. John. Clearly, it's Jesus who is the child born of the woman, born of the virgin, and so forth. And so something else is going on here than what they want to talk about. I think it's it's important to, you mentioned this earlier, but I want to go back to this, that the language of Revelation, uh, the Revelation of John, this language, we, uh, we call it apocalyptic language, right, that, mm-hmm. that he writes in. Elaborate a little bit more on this language, uh, the, this writing style, I guess. I don't know, is that an appropriate term to, to sure. use when you're describing the, the Revelation of John? And I'm just thinking of how we try to comprehend this with, you know, personally, how I try to comprehend it with my mind. And I think of how minuscule my mind and thought processes are in the grand scheme of things, in the the, the grand scheme of all of God's creation and, and, and the whole universe and <laughs> the language that's used in in uh, this revelation of John. Well, certainly. I, and I think all Christians would recognize that apocalyptic language and the apocalypse is the name for what we translate in English as the revelation of St. John. Um, it This kind of language is challenging to understand because it isn't just straightforward prose and narrative as we're accompanied to, uh, we're accustomed to. So many people will recognize that I've talked about Genesis many, many, many times and answers in Genesis talks mm-hmm. about Genesis and focuses on that and a literal understanding uh, of the historical narrative of the opening chapters of Genesis. Genesis. So they would say, well, if you do that with Genesis, why aren't we doing that with Revelation? Because you let the scriptures interpret themselves. You see, how does Genesis ask to be understood? You know, when you're reading it, it reads a straightforward historical narrative. It doesn't, you know, you're not going to say, well, the days stand for millions and millions of years when it says there was evening and morning day one. There was evening and morning day two. And there's clues 
in the text itself, as well as the rest of the scriptures, which shed light on Genesis to say, no, it was six ordinary days. That's clearly what's talked about in the creation week. But when you get to the revelation of John, things are entirely different because the apocalyptic language is using all kinds of signs and symbols and so forth in non-literal fashion. What's being conveyed is a truth that is conveyed by means of other things. So, an example, in the Revelation of St. John, numbers are are symbolical, and the number 12 is frequently used as a number for the church, and 12 multiples of 12. So, you've got 12 of this and 24 elders and, and, uh, you know, 144,000 and things like this. And you've soon realize that when these things are going on, you're talking about the church. And so you're tuned in to say, are we talking about the Old Testament church? Are we talking about the New Testament church? Are we talking about the church from the beginning of the world to the end of the world? So you pick up on those kinds of clues and say, okay, that's what's going on here. Likewise, when you have women appearing in the Bible, there are three significant things. You've got here the woman representing, on the one hand, we see the Virgin Mary, but we also see the church, Old Testament church, New Testament church, or the Old Testament church waiting for the Savior to come, the New Testament church, after the Savior has come, being persecuted by the dragon, uh, Satan, trying to, he couldn't destroy Christ, so he's out to destroy the church. And you can kind of see these images here and understand what's talked about in elaborate pictures having a meaning that has to do with Christ and the church, especially the church during a time of persecution between Christ's first coming, born of the Virgin Mary, and is coming again as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Judge of the Living and the Dead on the last day. And that's really the significant thing you want to bear in mind whenever you're reading the Revelation of John. It's written for the church to find hope and comfort in the victory that Christ has won for us, so that even during times of persecution between Christ's first coming and his coming on the last day, we have the hope that he will sustain us and we will share in his victory when he comes again. And that's pictured lots of different ways. It's pictured as a battle, it's pictured in this case with the dragon trying to attack the child and then attacking the woman. All those kinds of things come out. So this is not literal, uh, but it is, it's figurative and it can be understood on its own terms. When you read Revelation itself, it gives you clues on how to understand things. And when you've read the rest of the Bible, especially the Old Testament, that sheds a lot of light because uh, the Holy Spirit, through John, uses a lot of images that occur earlier in the Bible. So going clear back to Genesis, you have uh, the tree of life, for example, that will appear later on with uh, bearing fruit. You have water. You have uh, so many images that are used in the Old Testament that get used in the New Testament too. So here you have the woman in Revelation 12, which is, we see the Virgin Mary, but we see the church. Later we see the great harlot. So it's kind of the anti-church, the anti-Christ and the anti-church in, in the great harlot. And then again, we have the bride. So with the, at the consummation of the book, at the consummation of, of history, you have Christ returning to receive his holy bride, which is, again, the church. So one has to understand the the message of Revelation on its own terms and not try to force on it wooden-headed literalistic ideas and then come up with fantastic, crazy ideas about how this should play out as happens in the the books by Tim LaHaye and the movie, you know, uh, Left Behind and so forth like this. So that's kind of what we would warn people about. So the end of the world... It's not 
you know, the these rumors, these stories are are making it sound like it's a a horrible thing, and we should all be worried, and we should all be scared because it's the end of the world. But what is? How do the scriptures speak of it, particularly for those who are? Uh, in faith in Christ, for those who are in Christ? That's an excellent question, and we need to go to the Scriptures to find that answer, don't we? So not only do we have the revelation of John that tells us about the end of the world and to look forward to Christ's coming, but we have Christ's own words in the Gospels. How many times in um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke especially, we have the eschatological discourses, that is the end of the world discourses that our Lord gives us. And he talks about signs before the end of the world. He talks about wars and rumors of war. He talks about earthquakes and, and so forth. And so this too has played into people's hysteria because this year we've had these big hurricanes. We've had a number of earthquakes. Of course, there's wars and rumors of wars going on. But Jesus says the end is not yet. You know, he talks about these things being like birth pains, but he says the end is not yet. And he talks about the need for the gospel to be preached to the ends of the earth, and then the end will come. And particularly when he talks about the signs in heaven, and I think one has to be careful there, when he talks about signs in heaven like the sun being dark and so forth, something as regular as solar eclipses and predictable as solar eclipses would hardly be that kind of sign. So when... The very end comes, right before Christ comes as judge, whatever signs there are in heaven, I would certainly understand uh, the language of Christ to be, these are going to be unmistakable signs, not something that's ordinary and natural that you see all the time, like sunrise and sunset, lunar eclipses, solar eclipses, or something of this nature. So the one who created the sun and the moon and the stars will right before Christ's final coming, certainly have these signs in the heavens that will herald his coming. But more important than this, and, I, and Danny Faulkner does a good job of bringing this out. When Jesus talks about the end of the world, he says, of that day of that hour knoweth no man. You know, And so he says, what I say to you, I say to all, keep on watching. So the point isn't to try to predict the day, the hour, or even the season, but rather Jesus calls us to be ready and Danny Faulkner asks the question in his articles, are you ready? So I want to answer that before we run out of time here. And that Mm -hmm. is, are you ready? Well, here's how you're ready. You're ready by believing the gospel, believing what the scriptures say. Repent of your sins. Turn away from your sins and sorrow and say, Lord, have mercy on me. Believe that Jesus really is the Son of God who came as the Scriptures prophesied. The Old Testament prophets uh, said it would happen this way, and it happened just that way. Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried for us and for our salvation. He rose from the dead on the third day, and he lives and reigns to all eternity. He ascended into heaven, and he's coming again as he promised, as judge of the living and the dead. So for us who have that word of God, we should repent of our sins, believe in Jesus as our crucified and risen Savior, that we're saved by grace alone, through faith in Jesus Christ alone, and live that new life to which the Holy Spirit has called us in the gospel so that we live as people who are bought with the price of Jesus' blood. Be that way, live that way every day, because Christ can come anytime. In fact, you know, every hurricane and earthquake and war is a little microcosm of the judgment on the last day. You know, so the destruction of Jerusalem in the year AD 70 certainly was to remind people in the days of the apostles, Christ is coming. This is a sign of God's judgment. But there have been many such signs, many wars, many earthquakes, many disasters, every disaster. Think of Puerto Rico right now. Mm. I mean, devastated. So yeah, that's, that's a sign of the coming judgment. 
whenever that final day of judgment shall come. And for you and for me, we don't know if we'll live till tomorrow. You know, we can be killed on the highway in a car accident. You know, somebody could shoot you. You know, you you have no idea what's going to happen, except we know that we're in God's hands. So while we don't know what the future holds, we know who holds the future. And it's Jesus Christ who in his nail-scarred hands holds us and keeps us safe. So we don't have anything to be afraid of. Forget about the hysteria and the hype. Focus on Jesus Christ. Point people to Jesus Christ every day and say that he is coming. And whether it's today or tomorrow or a hundred years from now, be ready all the time and you won't be disappointed. Dr. Faulkner ends his thing by saying, you know, if, if he's wrong, and the 23rd of September is the end of the world, he'll be happy to talk to somebody on the, you know... On the 24th? Yeah, say, okay, here I, here I am, Lord. You know, but if other people are wrong, will they be willing to admit that they've been wrong, as so many people have been wrong in the past? So don't be fooled by false prophets. Believe the truth of Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. Lord Indeed. Jesus, thanks be to God. And as you said, uh, when, when talking with others, give them the goods, give them the word of God, give them the good news of Jesus that they too may pray. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Thanks, Pastor Worth. I always enjoy our conversations. Thanks, I enjoy talking with you too. Coming up in just a little bit, Christian friends of New Americans, how are we serving our new neighbors right here in St. Louis? You're listening to Faith and Family on Worldwide KFUO. Concordia University, Wisconsin and Mequon overlooks a half mile of beautiful Lake Michigan shoreline. CUW campus is located 15 miles north of Milwaukee with over 70 undergraduate majors, 28 graduate degree programs and doctorate programs in pharmacy, physical therapy, occupational therapy and nursing practice. CUW offers online learning and accelerated learning at one of nine Wisconsin centers and one in St. Louis. Traditional or accelerated education, CUW has the program for you. CUW.edu.